Hi, Lumineers. Welcome to the Lighter Side Show podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Butler, the everyday medium. I am in studio today with Kim Norman Dobrin, who is of the With Love from Freddie and Women's Mastery Series. But before we dive into this beautiful soul that's sitting with us today, I'll have some housekeeping notes. All right, Lumineers, here's what we have going on. Reiki is coming back to life, Reiki 1, 2, and Mastership. That is during the summer of June, July, and August, and that is in Atlanta, Georgia. And online classes are coming back. We're giving Learn It Live another whirl. We have Negotiating with Spirits, Reading Energy Fields, and Flushing Dense Energy in 2018. So if you want to do a little short class, 45 minutes, head over to Learn It Live and type in Jamie Butler. But most of all, guys, head over to the website, jamiebutlermedium.com, and sign up to the newsletter. That is the easiest way to stay on track with everywhere we are going and what classes are coming up. And of course, if you're sitting here going, but, 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 I want a certain class, then put your fingers to the keyboard and let us know. You can do that through the info at jamiebutlermedium.com and let us know what classes that you want to see. But there is one coming up at the Center for Love and Light with Kim Norman Dobrin, who is amazing, by the way, and it is all about women's mastery series. But today we're going to get to know Kim so that you understand why she is able to present this information. So Kim is from South Africa. She's a committed humanist who is aligned with her life purpose of supporting and creating a better world for our children to grow up in. I could not think of a better way to put that. So I was very happy when you said it. (laughs) So Lumineers, a round of applause. Here's Kim. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jamie. It's so special to be with you. Um, Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoy the time with us because I'm just so excited to be with you. I wanted to mention not to name drop right at the beginning, but your life has been a quite colorful experience. And you've had the opportunity of working with people like Nelson Mandela, Steven Spielberg, Holocaust survivors. I mean, the list goes on. So I want to know what got you onto this path and put you in front of these people. Was there a moment in your life that just switched a f- switch, switched a switch, turned on a switch, or did you slowly grow into it and then realize what you've become? Interesting question. Um, I am obviously South African, born and raised, and I was in the arts. I was in dancing and acting. Really. Yeah, I went to a special like fame school where we danced for five hours a day. Um, and that was my my joy and that was my passion. And then I was on full scholarship to Lee Strasberg in L.A. where I did acting for three and a half years. And came from a very traumatic childhood, a lot of death, a lot of separation, a lot of trauma. And that was my escape and that was where I found who I could be. And that what brought me joy. And then I came back and I had my daughter 31 years ago and decided that I never had that growing up. I am mom because of the the childhood that I had. My mother had to work all the time. We were always short of money. We had hand-me-down clothes. We really had a tough, tough childhood. And I looked at this little girl and I went, I don't want that for my daughter. I'm in a position where I don't have to be married to someone 
financially could do it. I could work from home. And so I gave up all of that you in the did. arts. I did because I wanted to be, my dream was to be a stay-at-home mom and best wife that I could be. But like you had the awareness of following your dream. Yes. Was there anybody in your life that was like, Kim, do what you want to no. do? Anybody cheering you on? No, actually exactly wow, the opposite. Kim. I was named the dreamer of the family, which was a bad thing. Like because I come, Yes, because I come from an academic family. So if you were a dreamer, it was you're never going to accomplish anything in your life. And so before I even passed my grade 12 marks, um, my mother had me booked into secretarial college. No. Because she (laughs) felt that I wasn't going to pass anything, which I did. I passed very well and I could have gone to university. I chose not to. Um, But no, I was set up to fail completely. And so I was adamant that my children would be brought up to dream because if you don't dream, you don't have a vision. You have nothing to reach out to. You know, and I always, now that we're in Atlanta, I say Martin Luther King didn't say, gee, I have a goal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's, let's face this goal. Let's reach the goal. He didn't. He said, I have a dream because everything starts with a dream. Nelson Mandela had a dream for everyone to be equal in South Africa. People have dreams and that's, where you start creating a special reality. And that's something that you figured out on your own. Yeah. I lived, um, even now, I'm pretty much a loner. I'm very introverted, naturally. I'm what you call a practiced extrovert because of my work. But, you know, man plans and God laughs. So God went, yep, you want to be a stay-at-home mom? Not happening. So um, I started creating this incredible career. And you ask, there were two points and I may get weepy when I tell you these but one was I volunteered at hospice my daughter was about three years old and I went into hospice to feed the patients and I connected with this little boy who had a brain tumor so he had his head was wrapped around his eye was all swollen and he never spoke to anyone and I'd go in every morning and every evening to give him very watered down porridge um, I don't know if you call it that in, in America, porridge, mm-hmm. like mi- um, soft mini yep. meal or something. And the one day he looked at me and he smiled. And I went, okay. And I went home and I knew the call came to say he had passed away. Oh. And I knew that smile was the greatest gift he could give me. And I knew that that touched my soul as to what children mean to me. And then I went to see Schindler's List. And knowing that it wasn't the worst thing that I'd ever seen on Holocaust, but Steven Spielberg, being the genius that he is, constructed and created this movie that was so human and so real and just so beautiful. And I walked out sobbing. Yes, And I was with another couple and my ex-husband and I was hysterical and I said, we've got to do something. This is not a Jewish issue. This is a humanity issue. This is a black mask against humanity. And they said, yeah, we're going to sell your Mercedes. We're going to sell your AEG fridge and all the German stuff. I went, guys, you're not getting this. It's got nothing to do with that. And I actually went to see someone that I was very close to and he put me in touch with friends of Yad Vashem and I started getting very involved with Holocaust and with Holocaust survivors. And then literally 
the doors slowly started to open. I started to run Survivors of the Shoah, Visual History Foundation, which Steven Spielberg started after he made Schindler's List. I started running that in South Africa and Zimbabwe. And I just literally walk through open doors. And hence I'm sitting in Atlanta, which wasn't even on my radar. But I learned to trust. I learned to trust that there's a bigger plan for me and that I'm not always in control of that plan and that's okay. Well, that's a good point to make, that you're not always in control. So for our listeners, when you talk about that trust and not being in control, like how do you put those two things together? What, how can you trust something you cannot see? I have such a strong belief system ever since Bingo. I was a baby. Bingo. And I, I always look at the world and I say to myself, how do people cope going through life? without a belief system. And, you know, we all have a different belief system, and that's okay. You know, but you have to believe in something in order to hold yourself in this journey of life. And so I have a very strong belief system, so I'm okay with saying, okay, I don't get this right now. I'm going to surrender to it. I'm feeling anxious. I'm faced with fear, and that's okay. And I get through it. I breathe deeply. I go and I meditate and I go, okay, what's this triggering in me? And my self-learning and my self-journey is just so important because the more I grow, the more I can bring up my children better and share with them. And the more I grow, I can do more in the world. You mentioned to me earlier before we started this podcast today that in order to help our children, a big part of that is to help the adults. Mm -hmm. And that has sat with me because I do resonate with that. But how are you dreaming, since you are the dreamer, born dreamer, self-made dreamer, how do you approach the adults and give them this sense of trust or teach them? Can you teach trust and teach them how to care provide for the children, and this world? Absolutely. You know, um, I started this journey when I was 18 years old, walking across Melrose Avenue after buying, from the Bodhi tree, after buying Shirley MacLaine's Out on a Limb. That was my first experience that I hold very dear. And when I look at my children, one's 27, Brent's 27, Jay's 31. That's crazy. I know. I look at it and go, oh, my gosh, when did this happen? But um, when I look at that, if I had them now, I would have had so much more to give them because I've learned so much more. And yes, as adults, it's important that we be adults. And one of my books um, all talks to that. Children want to be children. They don't want to be adults. They want adults to hold the boundaries. They want boundaries to feel safe. Yeah. Children are not your friends. Don't make them your friends. You are the parent so yes, you can be close to them, but they need their own friends, and you need your own friends. You just mentioned in your book, what's the title of the book, and where can we find it? Um, I suppose if you, if you had to email me that they really not on Amazon or anything in America, but I have copies, so I could always send them to you. So if you email me at Kim at with love from Freddie, Freddie is D-D-I-E dot com, um, I would be happy to share that with you. Um, so it's really about children coming out of trauma, both South Africa and America, and celebrities. 
And the celebrities were asked, what are the challenges face children today in the world and what should be done about it? And the children were, what kind of world do you want to live in? And the children want a world where there's peace and there's love and there's support and they want to be children. They don't want to be adults as children. And they want adults to hold those boundaries. So adults have to know how to be adults and be comfortable with being adults. Which doesn't mean being, if I may say, your definition of being an adult. Does it mean that you have to be dry, routined, scheduled, primed? No. No? It just means be grown up. Be responsible. Ah, be responsible. Be be responsible. Be self-reliant and take ownership of what you are creating. Don't take blame. Don't blame it and dump it all over your children. But don't you find that, I'm speaking from me, I find that in an American culture, you know, we talk that we have the freedom of speech and the freedom to be who we are and all of this. But when you talk about getting responsible or being responsible for your actions, it falls short. There's something here where it's, well, everything else out there is my freedom and my choice, but then when I have to own it, I I quickly put it in a box or slide it away. It's like we're not taught how to look at that and say, oh, that was because of my action. That was because of what I did. I think it's so fear-based. I think it's really fear-based. People don't want to take responsibility because what would happen if I do? Right. Exactly. And we lose that courage the older we get. You know, we don't realize that that's being a grown-up. And we teach our children to have the same kind of behavior, which is also not cool because it paralyzes. And that's the books, and if, if you haven't got them or you don't know about them, Freeing Freddie, the Dreamweaver, the Reader, the Workbook, the Activity Book, addresses this. And it closes the gap between the adults' parents and their children to have the conversation, what are you scared of? Fear is normal, but it's what you do with it that counts because otherwise it paralyzes. Well, I I know we kind of skirted off topic because I really wanted to get to know you. And I'm personally interested in what what it was like for you to be around and to work with Nelson Mandela. A blessing that you cannot even capture. When he walked in a room, he had an aura that literally when you talk about energy, I've never felt it anywhere again. He was very tall and had no pretenses. He was completely authentic with a beautiful smile and laugh. And I want to share a story. We're talking about adults and children. He was known as the children's president. And I used to think, okay, well, how much of this is really true? And running Survivors of the Shoah, uh, when we hit 50,000 testimonies, uh, we, which was the mandate of Steven Spielberg, he put it out there for us, coordinators around the world, we had this huge event in Los Angeles. And I was given the job three days before to get an interview with Nelson Mandela. And I went, guys, are you kidding me? I don't just arrive at his door and knock on it and say, okay, gee, I want an interview. So after pulling strings, I get a call to say, he's waiting for you at his house. And I go, are you kidding me? My videographer's 
in another city right now. And they said, we don't care. It's been arranged. He's waiting for you. Get over there now. So I'm picking up my daughter who was at that stage 12 years old. And I arrive at her school and bless her heart. I get in the car, go, J.D., get in the car quickly. We've got to get to Madiba's house, which is his, his special name that we all use. We've got to get to Madiba's house. He's waiting for us. She looks at me with all innocence and says, I want you to know I'm doing this for you. She's only just about to be with the most incredible human being in the world. <laughs> and we rush over to his house, and it was very unusual. He was always surrounded with people, and this day he wasn't. He didn't have his personal assistant. Um, his wife wasn't there. There was no one home except us. So we come in, and he says, hi, Kim, how are you? I said, Madiba, I'm so sorry. I've got Jade with me. My videographer's not here. I apologize. He says, don't worry. Come in and have some tea. Exactly. We do tea well. <laughs> so we go in and we sit into his beautiful lounge area, which is all in creams and silverware and gorgeous. And the helper comes in and we order rooibos tea, which is very South African. Mm. And we sit down and I sit on the chair and it's the best cup of rooibos tea I've ever had. Because for the next hour, he didn't talk to me at all. He spoke to my 12-year-old daughter. And he was so interested in who she was and what she was doing and what she wanted. And they just sat and chatted. And I sat and went, this is the most remarkable moment in my life. I'm really understanding what the children's president means. I'm like and about to cry. <laughs> that was that so Mandela in his essence. He wasn't afraid to ask for anything that affected our children. And I carry that with me wherever I go. And now obviously Jade sees it very differently at 31 years old. She's been blessed. And that is what it means to be an adult. An adult holds our children. They don't expect our children to hold them. Wow. I'm speechless. That is not the turn of events I had expected to hear from the story. Um, but it does take me down another line of thought of what I've heard about um, Martin Luther King and John Lewis, who is still with us, who worked with Martin Luther King, and how he invests in our local school systems and how he sits down with the kids and talks to them and listens to their advice and it it's something that as a parent I find myself getting wrapped up in parenting and looking at what boundaries I want to put in line and what character I want to help my children develop and I feel as if I'm missing these moments where I can listen better to how they're viewing or what they're perceiving the world to be so I'm encouraged after our conversation to really absorb those moments more. And I think that for me personally, being a parent meant boundaries. Mm. Children need boundaries. You don't just get to do and say what you want to do and say. You, you learn um, how to behave. It's not okay to behave in a certain way because that becomes habit. And if you look at the greats, so whether I'm talking about Gandhi or Diana, Lady Di, mm. 
um, who's famous for holding the hand of the first HIV-AIDS person, or Mother Teresa, they gave a lot, as you said, to our children, to the children's world. As an adult, they all held themselves as adults. And in India, I read Mother Teresa's diary, and she said how hard it was and how she had to pray so hard to keep going. So being an adult is not easy. But just allowing your children to do everything that they want to do, I don't think serves them. I think there have to be boundaries. And I was a very strict mother. Um, Brent's friends um, probably hated me for a long time (laughs) because they couldn't come into the house and do what they wanted to do. Some homes they could go and they could drink and they could party and everything. No, not in this house. You'll hold this house with respect. Right, and Brent is your son yes. for our listeners. <laughs> yes, sorry, Brent is my son, Brent Feinberg, who wrote Freeing Freddie, the Dreamweaver. And um, he was my challenge as a parent. And I learned so much through and with him. And now he's 27. I look at him and I go, by the grace of God, go I, that I've got two incredible children mm-hmm. because you never know what can go wrong. You know, there's so much out there in the world. And at the same time, I like them as people. I would want to know them as people. So I don't love them simply because I'm their mother. Obviously, that love is profound. But I like them as who they are now. I like their values, their morals, how they hold themselves. So with all these experiences that you've gone through, where are you headed today? Like, how does this add up for you? What are you dreaming about now? So I am just about to step down. End of April is a huge, huge thing for me. Um, I've been in human rights and education for almost 28 years. Stepped down from Tomorrow Trust that I started almost 13 years ago in South Africa, supporting orphan and vulnerable children with holistic support and education. And we've employed a CEO. So I'm lifting my one foot up out of South Africa, and I'm going to bring both feet into America. (laughs) And Brent and I have launched With Love from Freddie, which is consciousness-based business that takes large subject matter and hones it down into people's lives. Mm. So we're doing, they're the books um, that you can get on Amazon um, or on our website, etc. And we're taking that into workshops. So for children, they fund their crafts, but it gets that message of what are your fears? How do you deal with them? What are your dreams? And we're going right through. We're doing four now for the leadership of BB&T. So we go on right through all different ages and different um, demographics. We worked with the LAPD and their outreach in Los Angeles. That was incredible. That's wonderful. And so this is my new dream. We want to touch as many people as we can. Can you imagine if we all understood, okay, this is our fear. It's normal. It's okay. It's cool. I know how to work with it. What is my dream? Let's all move forward. Oh, my God. Instead of having fear be a paralyzer or something that they can hold over the next person's head, that would be amazing. Exactly. And and help instead of smashing someone else down to be better, we all uplift each other. We uplift the entire world, which is so beautiful. So the books are endorsed by Deepak Chopra, um, who is another incredible person who I know and love dearly. Uh, respect so much for how he holds his life and what he gives back into the world from his light. 
And we hope to do much more of that. The second title's already coming out. It's in print, which is so exciting. Very exciting. We've got this whole series. Brent's already writing the third one. And we're printing T-shirts. So it's a whole brand that we're launching here. And so, yeah, join our Facebook page with love from Freddie. Freddie is spelled F-R-E-D-D-I, as well as Instagram. And we'll put those links below in the description, Lumineers. And become part of our community and let's do this together. And what's great, they're not just doing these corporate kind of movements. You're going to event spaces like the Center for Love and Light and bringing it to the community. Yes. And if you feel, Lumineers, that you've listened to something that's really resonating with you, that you feel hungry for, something that you want, then reach out to Kim and ask, when are you coming to our town? Or can you come to our town? Can I pull people together for you? Because if you're resonating with it and you're sitting still, that's it. You're exactly. not following through with what you need. Right. So let's fulfill our needs and reach out for this. Thank you. Thank you for that, Jamie. And yes, we will come to you. You can um, ask Brent and myself to speak for you. Uh, for instance, Fairfield University, we work with them outside New York and um, do workshops there. We go to schools. We're working with the American International School. We're working with nonprofits like Horizons and communities in schools um, and Youth Spark, who I love. So we're doing it from all different areas. Oh, it's so beautiful. I can't thank you enough for being with us today. And wanted to give you a little space if there was something that you wanted to leave the Lumineers or something that you live by, whether it's a phrase, an action, a technique that you think that we could benefit or learn from. Well, a phrase. I've always had this behind my desk, and it's a Gandhi. It's a, it's a Mahatma Gandhi one, and it says, my life is my message. And it's what I personally live by. Um, I very strongly hold that for my life purpose. And so I take it rather seriously. And I hope that I impact as many people as I personally can. And I hope that you'll all become part of our community with love from Freddie and get the Freeing Freddie the Dreamweaver books. And stay in touch. Make contact. Let's do this. That's a big thing. Stay in touch. Exactly. Just because you're listening to this on a device doesn't mean that we're separated by status or culture or distance. We're not. We're right here for you. So please take the initiative and reach out. All the links are going to be below. So don't worry about remembering them as you're listening to this. And and my email is so easy. It's kim at with lovefromfreddy.com. So please feel free. Um, you're not going to step on toes. Just reach out. Thank you so much again for being here. And I'm going to hold you for a part two, where we talk to Kim about her women's mastery class. Incredible. Now that you know Kim, the steps that she's taken, some of her experiences that she's gone through, her style of dreaming, now you're going to see it in a class format aligned for women. Impeccable. Lumineers, thank you for lending us your ear. Be well, be happy, and remember, it's not woo-woo, it's true-true. Bye.